Imagine a world where men stepped up and answered God's call to reach their full potential. Imagine a world where men put their faith and trust in God unwaveringly and without qualification. Imagine a world where men lived out God's purpose for them in everything they do. It's not my credit to take explores the awe and wonder of how God shows up in the lives of strong, principled Christian men from all walks of life. Get ready to laugh, to cry, and to be transformed. I'm your host, Dr. Ed Slover, faithful husband, loving father, loyal friend, and unapologetically Christian. Welcome to the It's Not My Credit to Take podcast. Hey, Darren, it's been a minute. How are you? I am doing fantastic, man. Still. Wonderful, wonderful. My guest today is Darren Leonard. I was first introduced to Darren by his son, a former student of mine, Evan, and we connected right away. Today, Darren is the president of Trinity Structures, an organization that provides integrated modular structures that can create and deploy energy rapidly, reducing grid dependency and installation timelines. He's also the managing partner of E3 Associates that leverages his strategic thinking expertise. He's also held numerous other leadership roles where he excelled at providing value both internally and externally to various stakeholder groups. Darren's been married to his wife, Jennifer, for 31 years. God bless her. And they have three sons. Darren, welcome to the It's Not My Credit to Take podcast. Well, good to be here. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up serving as president of Trinity Structures. Oh, uh, condensed version. Um, yeah, I grew up in... Uh, uh, actually in my early, early years, um, late teens, uh, entrepreneurial, um, built a little company, sold it, um, was, was working in the appliance industry, sort of um, missionless, uh, just going day to day. And God showed up in some pretty unbelievable ways through some pretty incredible people and put me on a path that I never would have seen. Uh, entered into the appliance industry, um, and through a series of major mergers and acquisitions, ended up uh, working for Maytag Corporation for over a decade. Um, that is probably the core of my career as I look back on it personally and led multiple positions uh, ultimately into executive slots. Um, uh, happened into an environment that uh, was either the best or the worst decision of my life, but uh, there was a project that was taking place on creating uh, a Maytag branded retail store format uh, that I fell in love with. Uh, I ultimately left uh, Maytag corporate, partnered with my uh, with my employer, and and stepped out to be the CEO of a new concept uh, that launched up here in the Northwest called the Maytag Stores. Um, getting into big ticket durable retail was probably proof that I'm not the smartest man in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's a brutal business, a brutal business. As you, as you can probably attest, there are not a lot of new appliance stores that have opened in the last 20 or 30 years for yeah. a reason. Um, probably greatest learning ground I've ever been in. That, uh, that led into an environment, to be honest, Ed, that uh, I had spent um, a good 15 years um, very much serving myself professionally at the cost of those that I love. Um. Uh, ended up with a pretty significant testimony in that space. Uh, actually did a piece for Focus on the Family on it that they have sent out um, to donors uh, worldwide. We get calls, a call, we got a call from Australia, from Bill Song, that church, and had a conversation with them around it. Um, 
but uh, that's probably a whole separate podcast. <laughs> uh, in that time period, uh, I ultimately just, God took me on a journey, man, that just kicked my tail uh, in a big, big way, in a wonderful way. And uh, uh, basically took you through a major uh, intersection with the Holy Spirit that uh, I just walked away from it all. Um, and I had to walk away from it all. Like an addict has to walk away from whatever they're addicted to. Uh, cause I was addicted to work. Um, I got a lot of recognition. I got a lot of affirmation. I, I've spoken to men's group of churches. I call them the shuns, right? That we get, we get pulled in by the shuns. Um, but a relationship with anything other than your covenant bride, um, is, uh, is infidelity and it doesn't have to, doesn't have to be being right. So that was probably the pivot point of, of my career and my life. From there, um, I decided I was going to take a sabbatical. That didn't work out very well. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little too connected. People started reaching out. I uh, ended up getting in the, into the consulting space, um, the growth consulting, and that was probably the next you know, venue of my career that led to all kinds of opportunities uh, where I'd been, I was the CEO of multiple companies as part of, uh, part of that structure. Um, and uh, ultimately, we built up. We built a a boutique private equity structure. Started acquiring companies. Um, I I led a national franchise system for about a decade. Uh, Dream Dinners, um, which was incredibly powerful and compelling uh, role. One that was very 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 focused on getting American families back together. Uh, in the center, the core, the dinner table, um, and then ultimately uh, started stepped in and started operating some of our portfolio companies. Um, that was an incredible challenge, um, incredible people, um, and a lot of drama, uh, a lot of politics uh, inside of a private equity sort of boutique piece with investors. One that is a, there's a story that is still unfolding. Uh, exited that structure, that group, um, after turning around a company um, uh, a year ago, almost to the day. It'll be here in a, in a couple of weeks. Um, and, and from there, uh, started a venture that was that was um, not going to be pursued by that entity, which was sort of the core of the issue. We had, we had uncovered a very, very significant business opportunity um, in, in what is this EV and solar expansion. There's some really significant issues in that space and in that industry. I would say in some ways there's some darkness in that industry. Um, and, and we have a mission inside of it is to, to help people create energy independence because what's coming uh, on the energy front is something that people are not prepared for. Um, the electrification of everything and the dissolution of other fuel types is is foreboding um, in relation to what five or ten years looks like in relation to energy costs. And we're just we're just committed to help people get in front of that problem. So that's what we're doing now. Um, loving it. Um, I have some great success stories that we're not free to release yet under NDA, but they will be very 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 cool when we do uh, and press worthy. Um, but uh, having a blast uh, in what is an uncertain time, you know, starting up a company that relies on federal funding <laughs> um, is, uh, is, is also maybe not a great business decision. <laughs> but again, another podcast. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm curious. You referenced darkness inside that industry. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? You know, we all have opinions, um, and some of what I would what I would share, um, you know, could even come as, come up come across as 
conspiratorial. And so I'll, you know, I'll stay away from it, but there, my success in my career has all been founded in what I, I try to use is just an obedience to God's logic uh, and the wisdom he gave me. And, um, you know, when I see the compression of, uh, or the elimination, the move to eliminate fuels like propane and natural gas and petroleum, when we're sitting on incredible petroleum reserves, um, but we, we are only focused on not um, supporting that industry within our borders, not, not worldwide. Uh, and, and I look at this drive to electrify everything. Um, right now, there's variable studies. I, I, you know, it, the information is out there. People want to preserve it, pursue it. But um, you know, we just simply don't have the power to, to fund an EV movement. We don't. The grid doesn't support it. We're being pulled in with customers, big names that you would know that have to transform their business. Um, let's say the rental car space, right? And if and if you have states in the Western United States that are saying we we will not allow an ICE vehicle or internal combustion vehicle to be to be to be purchased in ten years, they have to begin the conversion of a business. Well, well, then they talk to the utilities, and the utilities are saying, well, we don't have any more power to give you. Right, um, and they have these two slow chargers on the lot that they rent a hundred cars a day on, and you've got a business problem. But there's no solution for it, right? So we're trying to help people um, in that transition. Uh, through it all, you have to just stop and ask yourself why, and and then people can come to their own conclusions, right? Um, you know, I don't have the answer. I only have speculation right now, but there is no explanation for the lack of infrastructure um, that is in place. Building charging stations is not the solution. Um, uh, if, if that's a big piece of it, right? If, if we wanna electrify our automotive, automotive world, you have to do it, but you have to build the infrastructure first. You have to build the interstate system before you build the commerce system. Um, you know, if we truly were serious about um, uh, electrification of our automobiles, then what should have started is infrastructure to generate power. You know, and I know there was an article here in, in the Seattle Times by where I'm at um, that said, you know, the state of Washington is going to have to, right now their plan, their budget says they're going to have to purchase power from other states by 2050. And I'm like, for the, for the love of all that's holy, every state in the union is calling Washington for power because we generate more power from a hydroelectric standpoint than anybody, Tennessee and Washington. I mean, those are the states that need everybody needs to buy from. And we're saying we're going to have to buy power. Well, I'm like, who's going to sell it to us? Nobody. So all we have to do now is look forward to, say, Alaska and Hawaii energy rates and say, OK, if we're truly electrified and we we're into the laws of economics, man, I'm, I'm telling you, you, you need to start generating independent power, whether it's solar, wind, thermal, whatever. Everybody needs to generate power to, to, to maintain independence. Because you still have to ask yourself the question, why do they want to center everybody into a single fuel type? My point would be it's a single fuel type. It's the one fuel type that can be controlled and regulated. I recently, I recently read an article that, it, it, specifically with electric vehicles, that compared uh, a Tesla Model 3, I believe, with a Toyota Corolla and said that basically the return on investment environmentally was roughly 13 to 15,000 miles. But that doesn't account necessarily for the fossil fuel usage in mining the minerals necessary to produce the batteries. And we're, we're not even talking about how to 
dispose of the batteries and what's necessary of that and the environmental cost related to that. It, it, you're, you're, the issue we have here, right, is the same issue we have in everything in media today is everybody has an agenda and it's hard to find the truth, right? Yeah. Um, either side of the aisle. It's just hard to find the truth. Um, money is money is mandating everything that's happening in the media world, um, and so I can't tell you I know the truth. What I this is why I always I reverse into logic and obedience and just say what feels right. Right? Um, if I can't explain it, I'm not a dumb man. I'm definitely not the smartest man. Right? Um, I'm a street smart guy. I'm not necessarily a book smart guy. I'm never going to get a, a, a doctor in the front of my name. Ed. Um, but I can't explain it, right? I can't run any theory um, or any path through that logically um, passes muster. So, um, you know, I, I then start wondering what what the real motives are. Uh, I think I think there is a scenario where I could, you know, I could go on both sides of this thing, and this is what happens. And I could give you a sales pitch that will leave you aghast, right? Like, where, why are we doing this, right? Um, but I could do it on both sides based on the information that's out there. There is a fundamental um, lack of understanding on all that goes into um, an electrified vehicle. There is, without question. And, gotcha. and it needs to be studied in depth. Um, I come at things through the human spirit and, and in the research that we've done, uh, I, am, I am more focused on what we're doing to children in Africa families in Africa, communities in Africa, where, you know, where these mines are, um, those things need to be addressed before we blindly sell ourselves to it fully. Yeah. You referenced obedience to God's logic. I've never heard that expression before. Can you describe what you mean specifically by that? Uh, well, yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, God gave me a gift. Um, if I want to, if I want to outline my spiritual gift, my wife would say to anybody, she says it's wisdom, right? Darren can see things others can't see. Um, I've had somebody share with me that I have a prophetic ability. I don't like that term. Um, I don't tell the future. And he said it was a pastor. He says, no, it's just the ability for God to use you, um, to say things and he needs said, right? Um, God gave me the gift of logic. It's, I use logic over wisdom. Um, so I try to be obedient to it and trust it. Um, if, if, if it's, if it is my, in essence, my spiritual gift, then, um, I don't want to disobey it. Therefore, when I, when I see a lack of logic or I see a very logical path, I try to stay obedient to that, um, and, and wash out the voices that would distract me from it. Basically trust instincts, Ed. Got it. Got it. Cause I, I actually just made a note. Like, how do you, how do you balance that idea with, cause whenever I, whenever I hear logic, I think, I think rationality, I think, you know, highly objective and, you know, how do you reconcile that with the, the emotion or the passion that you, you, we feel from time to time that's likely driven by Holy spirit. Yeah. Well, the, the real hard part of that is when the passion is contrarian to what's going on, which is a little bit what's happening in the industry we're in right now. Uh, you know, I have to be very, very careful about what I say until I can prove it. So I have to trust what I have to trust logic. I have to trust what I see. And what I see right now is if you and I were sitting over coffee in, you know, at GCU's coffee house, 
Um, oh, I'll don't pick that scab, Darren. That, that's that, that's some of the worst coffee imaginable. <laughs> I mean, GCU ha formerly had a relationship with Starbucks, and then you know, the Supreme Court made a ruling in 2016, and then the, that partnership severed. And then I think it was Pete's Coffee, and now we basically grow our own, and it's yeah, just bad. It's just bad. Right. So let's. We'll Sorry to interrupt we'll, you. We'll go somewhere else then. We'll, yeah, let's we'll go somewhere else. <laughs> I think um, if you know if we're sitting if we're sitting down over coffee, Darren to Ed, I'm telling you, you need to get solar on your property. I'm telling you, you need to figure out and you need how to access energy that you personally control. Now that's my passion. Um, you know, it, our our mission statement is to help customers help people create energy independence. Because, you know, if your if your kilowatt hour goes up fivefold, tenfold in five years, the electric vehicle value proposition is out the window, right? Gas will be cheap and electricity will be expensive, right? So um, that's that's the piece where I have a passion for it. I follow the logic and look at all the, for lack of a better, you know, new age statement to follow the tea leaves, right? read the tea leaves and say, okay, I can't connect the dots to what this future outcome is. So therefore uh, there's a risk here. And how do I plan for it? And I'll have passion for that. I mean, probably to speak to the passion, I'll probably have to be specific to the topic and then I could, I could, I could address it more fully, but I don't lack gotcha. for passion. I'll tell you that. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. So you, in, in your opening, you, you talked about um, being validated throughout your career. I mean, people that recommend you describe you as quote, the poster child of what a CEO should be and quote, a high energy, um, you know, high integrity leader. And another one is quote, an outstanding professional with a set of talents that brings out the best in everyone. That's really, really high praise. How does, how does that make you feel um, because you, you've got this interesting juxtaposition between the success that you've had professionally and also having, you know, had this imbalance with workaholism. How do you, you know, how does it, how does that dynamic or that dichotomy in many oh, ways um, make you feel? Um, I love, I love hearing those. there's a man in the world that doesn't love, love the shims, right? The affirmations and the recognitions. Sure. There's plenty of negative ones out there though, but <laughs> I mean, I, you can go find them if you want to. Um, you know, I, I have raving fans and I have passionate enemies. Um, now they're not my enemies. They've chosen me. Um, and even in many of those stories, there's, there's awesomeness in it because, the one thing that happened with my with the Holy Spirit's butt kicking um, that he gave me uh, back in, you know, right around 2000, 2001, um, was it pivoted me from a from a, you know, a broken one of seven children, good family, uh, no tragedy, nothing horrible, no massive trauma, just the challenges of one of seven kids with, you know, two parents, attention, incredible independence, incredible youth, but um, man, some insecurity, pretty significant insecurity. And, uh, and in those early years, um, this gift God gave me served me very, very well. 
Um, because if, if you have the ability to logically understand what's happening in a room, let's just say in a conference room at, at work, and you instantly can see the root issue and others can't, it's a very powerful tool. Um, it's an incredible gift. Um, it's also a curse. It really, it really, really, really is hard to manage because it's difficult to be in relationship when you're the one that can see what the root issue is. When you're talking to somebody and their personal trauma is on display clearly in this conversation, um, God gave me also a crazy courage. I would have those conversations with people. In my youth, when I was ill-equipped, um, there's so many, so many bad discussions, man. Um, you know, I just wasn't, I wasn't capable of letting my heart come through effectively. I got misread all the time. I remember when I went to, when I was in the executive training program at Maytag, uh, I went to the Center of Creative Leadership out in Colorado Springs. That's, that's a program they used in the development. And, you know, they do, they do these unbelievably destructive, <laughs> vicious, anonymous 360 tools, right? You know, from, from subordinates, from peers and from superiors. And, and there were wonderful things said in there, but there were some things that were so, so disconnected from my heart and how people perceived me, right? Um, arrogant, um, uh, narcissistic, uh, you know, self-serving, right? I'm like, I'm reading this stuff from people and I, I mean, it just destroyed me. I think I spent a day in the fetal position with a psychiatrist trying to work through it because it was such an incredible disconnect from my heart and how I felt about people. Um, but it was part of the process the Lord took me through, right? Um, my actions were different than, than what was internal inside of me. And that was a huge disconnect. So through this process, um, you know, that, that's a journey that he took me on. It left me in a place where today, or, you know, and I still grow, I grow every day, right? There's lots of failures I've, I've made in the last year as a leader, but when I fail, I do it. I, I will fail through the act of serving others. And sometimes people aren't ready to be served. Um, you know, great example is I lead every organization that I run on a very basic tenet, and that is truth and compassion. Um, it was it was birthed in the consulting firm that I that had been part of for you know, almost twenty years. We weren't great at managing it, to be honest. It was it was more we wanted more the compassion side than the truth side. Um, but when you deploy it, it is it is one of the most powerful value centric. Um, elements that you can put into an any organization. And that is any one of my leadership team and in, in, in hope cascading through the entire organization were mandated by one basic rule. And that is um, if you're thinking it, you must share it. Mm. That's the truth. Love but that. you must share it in such a way it can be heard. Right. So that's the compassion. And, and if you can get an organization to rally around the leadership of leading with truth and compassion, you will transform lives. You may lose employees. It's one of the things people have to be prepared for, because when you get the employee that comes in that is narcissistic, that is broken, that doesn't fit the core values that you've put forth, and I usually have five core values I lead every organization on, and I hire through that lens, and, and they, must, they must go through me before they enter into an organization. Um, and we speak specifically to those five core values. And then I say, the reason we're gonna talk about them is because we're going to manage you. We're going to hire you through the lens. We're gonna manage you through the lens and we're gonna fire you through the lens if we have to of, of these five values. 
and and we're going to deal with truth and compassion. What ends up happening is when you get the really broken person, one of two, the person that becomes either woke or um, is narcissistic through their pain, right? Um, arrogant through their insecurity, um, they they beautifully self-select out of this culture fairly quickly, which is the goal, right? Um, now, I don't want to see them go without having a real honest conversation around what's going on. Um, but sometimes when they don't self-select and we have to remove them, we remove them through the filter of truth and compassion and, and these values. And as I would, my, my leadership teams will struggle with it because we turn quickly people um, and it's disconcerting. You invest in somebody for three months or six months, and then you have to move them, right? Um, and it's and it's you know it's a material percentage. It's probably ten to twenty percent of the people you bring into the company. Um, but the message is we're serving them because what we're going to do is we're going to expose their reticular activation system to something nobody else has the authority to speak in their life. There's no place other than work as a leader. That you, that you will have the ability to actually tell somebody the truth. Because if, if Ed is broken, Ed is not going to hear it from his spouse for 30 years, right? Um, he hears it, but he doesn't listen to it. Um, and who else in your life has the ability to speak into, unless you elect to bring men around you as a man, that you give them permission to speak truth into them, which very, very few of us do, then there's only one venue where you can potentially save somebody decades of pain in their relationships. And that is honestly the workspace. But to, to wield that as a leader, you have to be, dude, you've got to be so centered. Um, I would, I would say you have to be so faith centered. Um, you have to have a mission and a purpose that holds you accountable to how you do it. Um, so th some of the comments you'll hear said about me, that are really positive and wonderful will be people that literally are transformed lives because we just spoke the truth. Now, interestingly enough, some of those people, if you go to LinkedIn, some of those people, we let go. But they became, they went, they started on a journey where somebody pointed them to the root problem, right? And now when they showed up at the next company, the reticular activation system didn't instantly make them a victim. They started to recognize their role in it. And then it might have happened another company or another company. But at some point, now I'm aware this isn't them. This isn't me working for bad companies. I'm, I'm the common denominator here, right? And, and you have to equip your leadership team to understand that you are, you are investing in people's life, even if you never talk to them again. You're investing in their children and their children's children, right? And if you can go into leadership with that mindset, dude, it makes, it makes leadership worth it. Because if you didn't, I would never want to be a leader. Leadership sucks, right? You take so many darts and so many bullets. It sucks. I love that approach. It a couple of things, a couple of memories were triggered from that. Most recently, a couple from a couple of days ago, I was chatting with a former coworker. He and I've reconnected. He was a, a guest on this show um, a few weeks ago, and he qualified saying something to me. And I, I said, you know, you don't need to qualify whatever, whatever you say, I'm going to internalize it as it's intended and it's not going to wreck it. And yet another memory I had was a few years ago, my wife and I were driving to Vegas for a wedding and I asked her, how honest do you want our relationship to be? 
And we had a, we had a, a better part of an hour discussion around that. And I quickly discovered <laughs> within a couple of weeks that my definition of honest and, you know, and truth was, was different than hers. Sure. And so I had to, I had to temper that. You reference brokenness and the inability for some people to live in that space of truth and compassion where it doesn't wreck it. Is that, is that like the, the link to them not being able to do it simply because they, they're, they're broken um, or they, they're not on a faith walk? What do you, what do you attribute that to specifically? Well, a couple, a couple of things. First of all, we're all broken. Everybody. This is the part I, I you know, I, I try to invest myself into highly, highly, um, I don't want to use toxic, but heated, say, social media environments. This public schools, great example, right? I got very involved in public school conversation around here in COVID because of what it was doing to the kids. Um, in a perfect case, I could also see what was going to happen, which is now materializing. And I stood in front of boards and said, you guys need to recognize what you're doing is you're forcing all of the people that have the ability out of the system and you're starting a downward death spiral, right? Um, now I could come in there and see all these social media video, TikTok posts and Instagram posts where people are in there just lighting up a school board, right? That's truth. Do I agree with what was said? Yeah, in a lot of cases I did agree with what was said. They were destroying kids. They were negatively impacting kids. They were outside of their calling, right? That's truth. The issue, say with you and your wife, is, is truth is truth. The compassion, when you add the compassion component and you put this, this descriptor to it, your wife always wants the truth in a way that can be heard. Your job is to figure out through her love languages, her personality and her personal story is how can she hear the truth? Don't ever stop telling the truth, right? And don't reserve the truth. Just work your tail off to figure out how to tell the truth in a way she can hear you. Now, I, I don't, God bless my wife's not here because she'd be like, dude, take some of your own medicine. Right now. <laughs> uh, uh, I said, yeah, but you were raised really well and you, 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 you have the strength to put up with me. Um, <laughs> but I think as you go through this process, you going back to the school boards is, is you have to figure out how to stand at that lectern and deliver the same message, but to do it with an empathy. Empathy is the cornerstone of everything successful in the secular world, right? If you if you don't have faith and if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, I would be if my kid if my kid didn't simply did not, did not follow my faith, I would spend all of my time teaching him how to be empathetic, right? Um, in this environment, you have to stand at that lectern and you have to articulate the same message in a way that they can hear. So rather than tell them that they're hurting children, because now my, my defenses go up, I'm not listening to you. I, I'm just looking at the clock, waiting until your time is done. I would, I would enter into that conversation to say, conversation to say okay, let's, let's run through the outcomes that are going to happen, you guys. You have people in this room that are angry, and the people that are angry are the people that have the wherewithal to move their kids to a public, private school, to a Christian school, to homeschool, to co-op. If you lose, and I just ran the math, right? I took the funding per kid that they get from the state, and I said, if you lose 5% of the families in this school system, you'll have a $40 million, $40 million budget shortfall. 
and, and the teachers who all want to make this political right now, right? You have to recognize which one of you are going are gonna to opt to be laid off. Because if there's a $40 million shortfall, what I've seen in administrations, you guys, is you guys aren't cutting the administrative budgets. You're cutting the teaching budgets. You're cutting the programs. You're cutting this. So, so this is what ends up happening. And, and you start cutting back on services. And now what happened in Detroit in the, in, the, in the 60s was white flight, right? The people with means left to the suburbs and they left the city with no income, no revenue. And it became this downward death spiral, right? Well, there's no reason that it has to happen as long as people are aware of what's trans transitioning. Get people involved. Don't be angry. Don't, don't be delivering your form of the truth, which is what we do on social media, because I can have courage in my keyboard because I have no accountability, right? We have to figure out how that school board can hear me, how that employee can hear me, how my wife can hear me, right? Then I'm accountable to tell the truth. But it's got to come through that lens, man. If it doesn't come through that filter, you're, you're doing more damage. You're definitely doing more damage in the kingdom. There's nothing worse than being a Christian leader and then being an ass. There's nothing worse. Yeah, I, I, I learned that lesson the hard way. And fortunately, I was this. the timing was such where it was, it was a few months before I finally stopped turning to my wife as like the number one. And I, I turned my life to Jesus. This goes back to the fall of 2020. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a really, uh, a really interesting lesson. Speaking of, speaking of teachers, I mean, you have three sons and they're, they're, they've pretty well given their age of navigated the school system with teachers. You also use the word woke earlier. Yeah. If, if one of your sons was, you know, like, how would you coach or how would you help guide your, your sons with this, with, with this culture, particularly with teachers, where it seems like it's very much indoctrination versus education? I know you've heard that expression before. How would you help them navigate this where we've got the removal of Ten Commandments in exchange for it's like, gosh, radical left leaning types of ideologies. How would you, how would you help them navigate that? Oh, dude, uh, you, you just stepped into a right punch. This is my favorite. <laughs> five, five wise. What student sits in a classroom and asks the teacher why they believe that? Nobody. So I, I train, train the kids, right? And I, I didn't do this as well with Evan. It's one of these things I've learned over time. Um, and, and they're still young. I mean, Evan, Evan's 24, you know, my youngest is 18. Um, you know, I started writing a book on successful sons about 15 years ago before God just laughed at me and said, you should just stop now. <laughs> You're not ready. Uh, so it's about halfway done. And Lord, was he right? I was not ready. Um, the, uh, the key to this is five wise train. This is the chat GPT AI issue. Ed. Um, you know, when, when I read a, a news article, when, uh, I don't know, a month or two, a couple, three, four months ago, the Google founders were re re-engaging in the company out of the fear of, of open AI's chat GPT, right? That for somebody who understands business, that is a tectonic shift, right? The Google founder, Google, sweet Lord, Google, right? 
Google founders are re-engaging because they're fearing for Google. I'm like, wait a minute. So I read this. I started digging into it. I started researching it. Darren way of researching. And I don't really research. I just start doing things, right? Um, and so I opened up, a, I opened up a, an open AI account. And I, and I started playing with using the tool. And, and I was blown away. I was literally blown away. Um, and while most people are focused on, okay, how's it going to impact education? How's it going to impact this and impact jobs? I, I, you know what? That's just, that's just progress. Like or, like or hate the word, right? That's just progress. Technology is going to happen. You can't stop it. And it, and it compounds upon itself. Um, what I instantly saw was an unbelievable epidemic of a loss of critical thinking. And, and I am like, holy Lord, save us. Because, and I instantly got all three of my boys. So we have a chat, we have a text string with the three boys, right? And I'll send them messages periodically that they never read. Um, we send a lot of baseball stuff back and forth with they all read. But, you know, when I send them the you know, scripture of the morning, I'm not sure it all gets read. Um, the, I, 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 I told Evan, I said, I want you to open up an account. And we're going to test some things, right? So I said, I want you to send a thank you letter to grandma my mother-in-law is the greatest human being in the world. Right. So he did it. And I did it. We told it one sentence, send a thank you letter to, to grandma. Right. The one that Evan, who has no social media accounts, it was benign. It was one sentence. Didn't know what to do. The one for me was like two paragraphs of flowery loving things that are exactly what I would say about her. Right. And that rocked me when we compared the two. So then I said, Hey, chat GPT, write a, write a, uh, a note to my three sons, Evan, Ethan, and Easton, telling them how proud of them I am. Dude, what it wrote rocked me to my core. It it wrote things that I have never put in social media, but I have said to them. And it nailed my three sons in this three-paragraph note, like, like better than I would have even been able to articulate, but exactly what my heart felt. To a word. It was so earth shattered. Now it captured all of that from some forum that I've given public access to. I would tell you it had to be microphones because many of the, much of this stuff isn't in writing. All that said, I'm reading this and I'm like, I instantly pulled them all together. And I said, men, this is the greatest threat to you as a man that I've ever personally seen. And, and, and my middle's like, I don't understand. I said, you, if you embrace this technology, if we thought the calculator eliminated math, basic math in our minds, if you embrace this technology, you will, you will eliminate your ability to think critically on any topic because this mm. will do it all for you. The problem you have, to, you have to recognize is the formulation of that thought is still based on the inputs of the values who have whoever built it, right? Right. Just ask, yep. it's not a political statement, but ask ChatGPT GPT about Joe Biden and by Donald Trump. And you'll see what the person that formed it believes. They instilled the values into that system. Now, it will learn over time, right? And it will probably change. But you're going to give your critical thinking to whoever is programming this thing, right? So I, I, wanna, I want you to fight looking at my youngest, who's incredibly smart in a devious way. Um, <laughs> using it, you need to stop right now. Yeah. And I, I found he was using it, right? Um, you need to stop right now because it's the greatest risk to your success. 
in the earthly world, right? In this secular world, there is nothing that will make you less capable than leaning on this tool right now. That is where this gets scary, right? And I don't even remember the question you asked and how I got down that path, but um, that's the component of, of you got to tell the truth. Um, well, yeah. Yeah, what I was what I was referencing was the indoctrination of young people within our education system and, and helping, helping kids in general, but boys specifically be able to navigate that because there's a, there's just a lot of confusion. I've mentioned this a number of times with, um, during these recordings that in the fall of 22, I had the better part of a half dozen young men come up to me separately and ask me, what does it mean to be a man? I mean, so confusion and uncertainty has definitely been sown from a cultural perspective. So how do we, how do we as older men show up better for them to help them navigate those waters? Well, first and foremost, thank you for bringing me back to the point. Um, that will take us down rabbit trails. Thank you for being the parent. In, this conversation. <laughs> um, um, in essence, five whys. Five whys is where critical thinking comes from. It's how I got on this rabbit trail, right? Um, is you have to teach young men to ask, not just young men, young women, just people of youth, period. Um, five whys. Five whys get you to the root. And what we have to start doing in this society is hey, we have to start listening. Whys is a great, a why is a great way to listen. Right. When you're asking why questions, you're you're not talking, you're listening. Right. Um, and what you're also forcing people to do is to process through what what they believe and why they believe it. Because I think one of the huge issues we have right now is is people are 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 fear based. Wokeism for me, everybody has their own definition. Wokeism um, being woke is just a lack of courage. It's a lack of courage. Um, a courage to talk about is one of the things that, that I don't miss corporate America. Um, I'd love to get back in corporate America to see how I can influence it, knowing what I know today. Um, but corporate America, everybody is so fearful of, of saying anything that puts them personally at risk. Yep. Well, this is why Joshua one nine, the answer to your question is Joshua one nine. That's my favorite hoodie, right? I wear it everywhere. Right. My wife wishes I wore it less. It's because I just love just just have I not commanded you be 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 strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Right. Lord, your God will be with you in all that you do. Right. We have to be strong and courageous. And I think as men specifically, we have to figure out where are we impacting the next generation? And if it's not in our own lineage. Right. Um, uh if we, if God blessed you with all daughters, I didn't, he didn't bless me with any. All right. And, and I don't know why, um, but regardless, he blessed me, he, he blessed me with sons. They need to be courageous. They need to be prepared to stand their, their guard and God bless their mom for her values and character, because my sons are all phenomenal men of character, right? They got their own flaws. They have their own weaknesses. They have their own securities. We're really tough on them. Um, probably too critical of them growing up, right? Which has generated some insecurities in them. But man, are they great men of character. They're, they are the man that if somebody lesser was in trouble, they would lay their life down for them, right? But that's Joshua 1.9. You've got to just, just 
capture specifically for men, which is all that I really am, am capable to speak to, because that's all I raised, um, is, is their calling is to be a man. Don't be afraid. Be a masculine man, right? My oldest son is, is the most chivalrous gentleman that I know. He, will, he opens the door for Rachel every day, every car. I mean, he, he, will always, he will always let her lead in relation to where they go. He's always got a protective mindset. He is just a freaking awesome man, right? Well, you got you to gotta be strong in this environment where that stuff is belittled. He's got to be strong and courageous. That's why Joshua 1.9 means everything. I love that. Before we wrap, I have a, I have a funny story for you. I, I, I don't, I, I know, I know if I brought this up with Evan, he would, uh, it, it would bring a smile to his face and he'd probably, uh, he'd probably laugh a lot. He was a mentee of mine, as you know. Yeah. He was telling me the story about a friend of his who happened to be a young lady that they had been hanging out for quite a little while and he just couldn't muster the courage to ask her out and every week whenever we would meet i would give him certain tasks go do's for for the week and on one of the, one of our particular meetings he was describing wanting to ask this out. i'm like what are you waiting on romeo I'm like okay so this week you are tasked with asking this young lady out and her name happened to be rachel yeah, and, <laughs> he was asking for a friend. <laughs> he just asking for a friend. He, he he meets me the next week. I'm like, so how'd it go? And he just smiled. He yeah. just smiled. And and they've been married for three, four years. A little over three years. A little over three years. Yeah, God bless him. It was just a wonderful story. I mean, Darren, who knew that I was a matchmaker? You were I mean, a matchmaker. <laughs> you had such a to your, to your question, right, what do we do? We do what you do, right? You're, you're a professor at a major university. You've got your own life. You've got your own aspects. But yet you find time to invest in the lives of young men, right? And, and you took it seriously. You had such a profound impact on my son, right? More so than you know, right? He reveres you. There are two men in his life that he probably reveres more than he reveres his father because he has plenty of complaints about his dad, right? Um, and it's Ben Doucette, his DECA teacher in high school, and it's Dr. Ed Slover. These are two men that took my son under their wing, and and he he engaged in that process. He gets credit for that part of it, right? He wanted it. Um, but you guys you guys transformed that young man. And, and that, is there anything better in the world than impacting people's lives like that. That's for anybody that listens to this, they got to look around their, 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 their orbit and say, who, who is struggling? What single mom around them is struggling with their son? Get off your butt and go help, right? What member of your extended family is having trouble with a son, right? Right, go, go take the kid to coffee. Invest in that individual, right? You got, you got stuff going on. Don't sit back and talk to your spouse about it at home and go, oh, let's pray for them. Let's feel, yeah, pray for them. Pray your butt off for them. But, but toil, right? Get your hands dirty. Go to work and, and, and impact that kid. It's what I love. I coached baseball for 25 years, um, and there's so much politics in it, but I just filter out the parents 
and and recognize their insecurities and just focus on, okay, if not me, then who with these young men? And I don't need them to recognize me. I don't need them to praise me, but I will tell you this, and you will know this feeling, right? Is there's nothing better than getting a graduation announcement or a wedding invitation that's labeled coach, right? Kid I haven't seen yeah. in 10 years getting married. Just got a wedding invitation yesterday. That's awesome. And my wife's like, why, why is he sending big? I can't explain it to you. Because I was there at a point in his life that he needed somebody to speak truth and to love him enough to do it in a way he could hear it. Yeah. And and it changed his trajectory, right? You changed Evan's trajectory, right? There is nothing that feels better. If you're sitting in a leadership position in a company, those people that work for you are not an employee number. They are not a wage, right? They are not a, a contributor to a specific task. They're a human being with generations behind them. Go freaking impact them. Yeah, that's so good. And I really appreciate you you saying that. Uh, it, it absolutely. Well, I appreciate you doing it. That's <laughs> <laughs> the easy part here, Ed. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was it, it was an absolute privilege. Uh, not only not only having the opportunity to to mentor Evan, but all of the young men that uh, that have come into my field of vision, and and I you know was uh, was able to you know hopefully impact their life in, in a small way, but, um, uh, I'm at a loss at this point. So, uh, any, any final thoughts before you pray us out? No, we'll let, we'll let prayer. I've, 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 I've thrown out far too many words already. So. <laughs> well, th this has been, this has been outstanding. Thanks. Thank you so much for taking time uh, to have this conversation and I will let you, I'll let you close us out. Uh, Lord, thank you first and foremost for Dr. Ed Slover, Lord, for the heart of this man and and for the values that are instilled in him. Um, you know him, right? Well, you you know his strengths, you know his weaknesses, you know his his successes and his failures, Lord. But what what we see is his heart and the impact that he has on so many lives, Lord. Um, I know that you will revere him in heaven for the impact that he has had on people, right? Um, but just Keep him commissioned uh, because he does a great work. Uh, I love the forum. Thank you for the forum that you extended his ability to influence people into, Lord. I pray um, that the theme of it's not my credit to take, uh, that the impact that Ed has on us, everybody that he engages with and everybody that hears his messages um, and the conversations that he, that he brings forth, Lord, that it leads to humility, um, and it leads to kingdom, Lord, that, that every individual through the Holy Spirit is influenced to, to keep an eternal view. This world is a crazy place. And, and for people that do not have an eternal understanding, it could be so overwhelming, Lord. Let this platform influence thousands in a way that bring, bring souls to eternity, Lord, and out of the depravity and the insecurity of this world. Thank you for Ed. We thank you for the forum and just Jesus, holy, precious name. Amen. 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 Thank, thank you again, Darren. I really appreciate your time. You bet, but it was fun. Keep up the great work. You can contact the show at itsnotmycredittotake.com. We'd love to hear from you. God bless.
Thank <laughs> you.